Welcome to episode 28 of Kept Secrets. I am your host, Nikki Rothrock. This podcast is a way that I try to help others who have also experienced childhood sexual abuse, neglect, or trauma. I will discuss my personal experiences and the treatments that helped heal the brokenness. My abuse started as early as five to six years old and by more than 20 different perpetrators. There is a long history here, but I've created this podcast in hopes of helping one person. I hope that person is you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming back. This is episode 28. You know, um, last month, I missed it, but last month was like the one-year anniversary of the podcast. So um, I feel kind of bad that I missed that. But tonight, we are going to talk about rebuilding our self-esteem when we are dealing with childhood trauma. So I apologize for the long gaps between episodes. Um, You know, sometimes when you do something and if your heart isn't into it or you're distracted, then it's harder to do it. So the last probably three weeks I have, um, I've been distracted, so I didn't want to give you guys you know, a half episode. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just didn't want to half ass it, I guess. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. But anyway, so tonight, um, last week or last time we talked about um, effects of long-term, like long-term effects of childhood sexual abuse or childhood trauma. And one of them was a low self-esteem. Or self-confidence. So we kind of talked about that a little bit. Archie's already here. It's only two minutes into the podcast and here he is. So he's upset because I changed his dog bones. Go get your dog bone. Go get your bone. Okay. So I found this article online. And it was by Flavia Mudrut. Medrut. M-E-D-R-U-T. And the title. I just, I just gave him a bone. Oh, you guys, it's going to be a long hour with this little clown. Um, Okay, so how to rebuild your self-esteem if you're dealing with childhood trauma. By Flavia, Flavia, F-L-A-V-I-A, Medrut, M-E-D-R-U-T. A healthy self-esteem can help you recover from the distressing effects of childhood trauma. Here's how you can embrace your self-confidence. You guys, I need to hear this just as much as anybody else, if not more, because, you know, I try to do to build the self-esteem and self-confidence, and I just struggle at that. So hopefully this article will be good for all of us. Children learn to value themselves from the reactions of others, especially those closest to them. Parents and caregivers shape the way we perceive ourselves as children, and this can later affect our level of confidence as adults. Childhood trauma can make a child feel worthless and despondent. That makes me so sad. Um, As reported by various studies, individuals with with a history of childhood trauma are more likely to report low self-esteem than those with no history of it. 
According to Dr. Fox, childhood trauma, or ACE, like ACE, any event or situation. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, okay, according to Dr. Fox, childhood trauma, or ACEs, can be, quote, any event or situation or series of events or situations that overwhelm a child's ability to cope. Whether physical or emotional, real or perceived, these cause a fight or flight response, which can affect or shape the way they view and experience life. Sorry, I was distracted trying to read that. Um, children surrounded by violence or abuse learn from an early age that they cannot trust people and that the world is an unsafe place. They may often blame themselves rather than recognize the parent as unreliable and dangerous. And then, and they likely feel powerless to change their circumstances. Who have been there. Their shame, guilt beliefs, their shame, <laughs> guilt, beliefs about themselves and others can diminish their sense of competency. They might utilize more avoidant coping mechanisms, such as withdrawal or criticism of oneself, that will later interfere with becoming a confident, self-reliant adult. A healthy self-esteem can come or can help you recover from the distressing effects of childhood abuse. While we strongly recommend seeking professional help if you struggle with childhood trauma, we also want you to want to offer a few steps that can help rebuild your self-confidence. Here's how to fix low self-esteem if you're recovering from childhood trauma. Number one, and we have uh, six and a half, and I'll, I'll explain the half one to you later. Um, so the first one, you might want to write this down. Eliminate negative self-talk for a better self-esteem. Okay, this one's a rough one for me. One of the main ways of improving our self-esteem is changing the way we talk to or about ourselves. This is an easy task for most people, but one of the most difficult ones for those who have experienced childhood trauma. Maybe someone once told you that you can't do anything right, but now those words are coming out of your own mouth. Yep. <laughs> We often don't realize how much damage we're creating with negative self-talk. We put ourselves down and diminish our value as a human being. If certain people in your past were not able to encourage or offer any kind of words, it's time to do it to yourself. <laughs> so the next time you're having a conversation with yourself, choose gentler words. Number two. Actually, let's go back to that. Choosing gentler words. Um, so this, I started um, another weight loss program last week. It's um, one that you can go to like meetings and stuff like that. Um, but, and I don't want to say what it is, but most of anybody who has a weight issue will probably know this is like one of the most popular weight loss uh, group things. So anyway, I started this program last week and I did really well, but, um, 
there were a couple days when I was like, how am I going to lose weight eating all of this food? Because, I mean, I usually would only eat, like, maybe lunch and dinner. Maybe. And, I, like, I had something small for breakfast. Anyway, so I had a rough couple evenings, and I was like, how am I going to lose weight? I'm never going to freaking lose weight. This is, this is such bull crap. Like, I'm just really trying hard not to have the surgery. So, um... I'm trying some other options right now until I'm able to do the surgeries. If I, I'm just trying not to have to do it. Um, so the negative self-talk is where I struggle. You know, I, yesterday, oh my gosh, yesterday I slept forever. Then when I did get up, I was, I had placed an order at like, Sam's Club or whatever. So I had to go pick it up. Um, which it was like, I don't know, we're like a half an hour away from a Sam's Club or Walmart or Kroger or whatever. Uh, so I had to go pick it up. Well, while we, while my husband and I were out, he was like, do you want to get some lunch? And I was like, well, I really shouldn't, but okay. And then he's like, we were discussing a couple places and I was like, well, this one is the healthier option than this one. And then I was like, it was almost like I just sabotaged myself and, and even suggesting that the other option, that the other place is even an option. So <laughs> I had a sandwich, fries, and a milkshake. And in that, I doubled the, uh, um, the, um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Because the weight loss program I'm on, they do points or whatever. So I used double the amount that I would get in a day on one meal. Now, the program is flexible, but that was overkill. And so when I left there, my husband was like, do you even feel bad? And I was like, yeah, I feel bad. I was like, but at this point, I'm like, it is what it is. And I hate that saying. Um... So I'm I'm starting to feel, you know, that I'm just, just down on myself because I don't feel like I'm able to focus on myself. Um, one time I had, I had, um, this was like 15 years ago, um, I was getting prepared for weight loss surgery and I ended up losing my job. I got really close with um, my dietitian and the the lady who was the um, like the manager of the office. She was like kind of almost like the personal assistant to the doctor. Anyway, she got, I got to know both of them pretty well. And after I let them know that I wasn't going to be able to do the surgery because I lost my insurance, um, you know, I called her back a couple different times over the years and I was like, hey, I'm just curious how much it's going to cost cash, you know, if I paid for the surgery instead of insurance and blah, blah, blah. Well, one time I had posted something on Facebook about, ask me a question or something like that. Some of those goofy things that people do past the time. And this manager of this doctor's office or this surgeon, she said, why... Don't you put yourself first? Why is putting yourself first not an option? So I thought about it, and that that has stuck with me over the years. Um, 
And I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know why I can't get past this barrier. Um, so some people may have addictions. And you could say that maybe I have a food addiction. I'm not... I'm not confident that that's what it is. I think I'm just an unhealthy person. Um, I mean, I'm not really unhealthy, but my weight is unhealthy. So anyway, so the negative self-talk has been a struggle for me when trying to focus on my weight and myself and doing positive things for myself. Um, so anyway, moving on. <laughs> Sorry. Number two, know what you're dealing with by looking into your past. Take a deeper look into your personal history and found it, find out which events that happened to you as a child have slowly disoriented your self-concept. Remembering those moments will be painful, but in order to heal, you need to find the wound, the wounded areas. However, be careful. It's important to take self-awareness in small doses so you can gradually digest whatever experiences come up. And if you're seeing a therapist or, you know, a psychologist or a, just any kind of counselor, you might bring that up to them if you're going to start looking into this um, just so that you can do that in a safe place and you have somebody to talk to about it. Uh, another thing is writing about your experiences and emotions can have great influence on your healing process as it will help you take some of the pressure out of your system. You can keep a daily journal or write letters, but don't send them to those who hurt you. If you want, you can safely burn those letters. Think of a ritual where you release the pain of the old wounds. Think of it as a ritual. Also, if you feel comfortable for sh sharing your experiences with someone you trust, don't hesitate to do that. So the next one. Accept how you feel and who you are. Other important, another important step in improving your self-esteem is to fully accept who you are with past experiences, flaws, and everything else. In this case, you have to allow yourself to sit with your emotions. Don't deny or try to change how you feel. Let your mind fully process your feelings and experience the discomfort your memories create in a healthy way. Cry or yell as much as you need to. Also, think about how you accept your friends. Even though, even those who sometimes annoy you or hurt you, if you, that was a statement, <laughs> even if those, those people sometimes annoy or hurt you. If you can make the mental effort to accept your people with their faults, you prepare the ground to do so the do the same for yourself. So I want to kind of kind of bridge off of kind of go off of this a little bit, but accepting how you feel and who you are. A lot of that could be um, worked through when you're working with your inner child, um, because at that time, you know, you're, you're protecting yourself um, and you're letting you're letting all of the pain out and you're talking about it and you're also, but you're also protecting your inner child. So 
that is something that maybe you have worked through or something that you can work through um, if you haven't already. But I, I think that is something that I kind of struggle with still. Um, you know, like um, I'm in a, a little bit higher manager position at my job and I was talking to one of my friends the other day and I was like, man, if, if another manager and like another manager or upper management were to hear my podcast, I was afraid that they would think of me differently. And she's like, no, I don't think they would think of you differently. I think they would think, man, she had a really crappy childhood and that sucks. <laughs> and then they would move on. But I don't, I don't want to take the chance because I'm terrified of what they would think. And I know that that's bad because I'm talking to all you guys about it. But, you know, in my own small world, it, it, it makes a difference to me. So, and I don't know if you can relate to that because, you know, when I was younger, one of the first things I would say to people is I would tell them about my past. It was almost like they had to be okay with me after knowing that about me before we could move forward and be friends. And I don't know why I did that other than if they could accept me for that, then they could be my friend. And if they couldn't accept me for that, um, and, you know, they wanted to be judgy or whatever, then I would move on. And I can't remember off the top of my head if that ever really happened, but I'm sure it did. Because who wants to... Thinking about, like... You know, it's nothing if I meet somebody new and they tell me their story because I'm open to it. But if you go to a new person and you're like, hey, Steve, how are you? And he's like, hey, how are you? And then you're like, well, I was abused as a child and I worked through all this trauma and I'm I'm doing well. If that <laughs> If that's like the first thing you say to somebody, I mean, Steve's going to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a lot of information to process. I don't even know you. So, you know, I had to learn that um, myself. And so now I'm not as open about it with new people that I meet. I mean, sometimes I do if, if there are new people and they listen to the podcast or if they um, express that they have a similar background, then we'll talk about it. So... So just don't forget to accept how you feel and who you are. So going back over the first one, it was to eliminate negative self-talk for better self-esteem. Archie's getting grouchy. Number two, know what you're dealing with by looking into your past safely. Number three, accept how you feel and who you are. And number four, don't blame yourself. This one right here, I'm putting a little asterisk by it because that one is something that I know I struggled with. I know um, other listeners struggle with because we've talked about it. Um, so blaming oneself for the abuse one suffered is very common. And there are serious reasons behind this behavior. Archie. Stop it. Maybe the abuser overtly told you that it was your fault. Other times, self-blame occurs when the victim has the courage to tell someone about their situation and the people refuse to believe them. And that pisses me off. 
for everyone that that has happened to. That just pisses me off. When the abuser is considered, quote unquote, nice by others around them, it makes it easier for the victim to believe that they're the ones that caused the maltreatment. And that's not the truth. You didn't. You did not cause that. Okay. Uh, the one way to stop blaming yourself is to acknowledge that whatever happened to you was not your fault. You did not ask for it, and you didn't deserve it. You're not responsible for other people's bad behavior. I want you to say that out loud. Nobody else is around. Just say, I am not responsible for other people's bad behavior. And whenever you start to feel that guilt, I am not responsible for other people's bad behavior or bad choices. Archie, stop. Right there. Um, so here's a break. I'm going to have to let Archie out because he's over here whining like a little turkey. Oh! Um. Sorry, guys. Come on. Okay. I don't know where you guys are, but it's like 50 degrees here. He actually likes that. So, okay. Sorry about that. Number five, learn to take care of yourself. This is a hard one. Many victims, excuse me, of child abuse or neglect will neglect themselves later in life. Start asking yourself if you're taking care of yourself physically and emotionally from having Medical checkups to taking some quote-unquote me time and doing something as small as getting a haircut. All of these will contribute to one's overall well-being. Taking care of yourself will increase your sense of self-worth. If you want to get your nails done, get your nails done. If you want to get a massage, get a massage. If you want to buy new clothes, buy new clothes. You know, anything that you feel is something that is taking some me time. Heck, my me time used to be going to my therapist. I mean, I didn't have like kids and family and stuff like that, but every Monday at 1230, I looked forward to that session because I knew it was one step closer to where I needed to be. And I was going to fix whatever was broken. And... You just have to learn. And it's still, you know, going back to the weight thing, it's still hard to take care of myself because, you know, I should be a lot smaller than I am. And I'm not trying to beat myself up over being overweight. That's not what I'm going with this. But this is something I really struggle with myself. Um, and I know that I had told Beth, my psychologist, one time, you know, I'm like, I was able to get through the trauma, like the emotional trauma, even spiritual trauma. But my trauma is packed on me the way other people can see it. So I haven't been able to get through that part of the trauma yet. And <laughs> it's so frustrating because sometimes I'm like, man, if I could just shed a big portion of my weight, nobody would know. Not that people are like, oh, all heavy people have been molested or abused as children. That's not what I'm saying. But because I think 
that that's what they see when they see me. Um, that's how I associate it all. And it is truly a thinking error because I could have a medical condition, you know? I don't know. My doctor doesn't seem to think so. But we haven't really dug too far into it. But my emotional piece of being, my emotional connection to my weight is pretty strong. Um, the other night something happened and, you know, I'm doing this, this weight loss program and something happened. I don't remember what it was, but my husband and I were coming home and I was like, I'm hungry. And he's like, me too. And I was like, why don't we just get some breadsticks on the way home from like a pizza place? So I was like, I was like, let's do that. And he's like, well, okay. So then not only did we get breadsticks, we got pizza. And, you know, here it is 10 o'clock at night. And I should not be eating breadsticks and pizza, you guys, at 1030 at night or whatever. And after I ate them, I felt like garbage. But while I was eating them, I wasn't thinking about whatever it was that had upset me that night. So maybe I need to see a therapist on my own for this weight issue and my mental state with that because, man, <laughs> it's just a struggle. Okay, not about me, I swear, I promise. Um, number six, reclaim control of your life. Feelings of helplessness can carry well into your adulthood and carry well over into your adulthood. If you once were a victim of childhood abuse, excuse me, it's very likely to still act like a victim. And this will cause you to make choices based on your pain. Whew, boy, that's what I did Friday. Uh, to reclaim control of your life now, you need to remind yourself that you are not that child anymore. <sighs> to present, <laughs> you guys, I, it's, I can read, I promise. The present is yours to control. So if the people that hurt you in the past are still part of your life, try to slowly remove them. <sighs> That's difficult. <clears throat> Replace your inner scared child by knowing that now you're fully grown and that, and that <laughs> you guys, I'm sorry. Replace your inner scared child by knowing that now you're fully grown, you're a fully grown adult that has rights and options. You don't have to depend on anyone anymore. You can let go of the old defenses and make life choices based on what you want to become, not what others want you to become or what you once were. I haven't really chopped that up. I'm sorry. Um, so we're going to replace your inner scared child. And you're going to remind that child that you are fully grown. You're an adult that has rights and options. And you don't have to depend on anyone anymore. You can let go of the old defenses and make life choices based on what you want to become, not on what you once were. So this was, I remember, 
um, in treatment. And I don't know where you are in your treatment or if you're um, seeing a therapist or psychologist or counselor, but I can remember sitting in Beth's office one day and I remember thinking, huh, I can do whatever I want. And by that, I don't mean going and getting all kinds of candy and cupcakes and pizzas and pastas and all, you know, all the bad food that's so good. That's not what I meant. What I mean is if I want to be a therapist, I can go to college and be a therapist. If I want to work at a gas station like I did, I was okay doing that. But in in that moment, it was like a light bulb for me that was like, you know, my mom and my dad are my parents, but they're not telling me what to do. You know, they're, their ceiling of what their choices were had been hit by them. You know, they had reached that level. You know, my dad was a very hard worker my whole life. He has been a hard worker my whole life. He's always been employed. And, you know, some people may not have, you know, thought his his jobs were career-based. And they maybe they weren't, but he did a good job at them. And he made an honest living doing them. So... You know, that's what worked for him. My mom, you know, she did well until she got older and she became terminally ill with the kidney problems. But, you know, she made the choice not to finish college. You know, my mom went to a really nice college. She went to Purdue in Indiana on a full scholarship. And then something happened. This is what she told me anyway. She said that her Dad got a raise. He worked for the post office and he got um, a pretty nice raise and they removed all of her financial aid because of that the, the second year. So she she figured, well, I'll just make more money going to work at the post office with my dad. And that's kind of what she did. So that was a choice that she made. She didn't end up with stu- with student loan debt like some people have today. I have a lot. Um, but you know what? It, it, it was a choice that I made, and I had a plan, and I did not follow through with it. And now I have to pay for it, which is fine. But I would not change the experience. I would not trade it for anything. I met people who were awesome. You know, I met some people who were questionable, you know, (laughs) I, you know, those professors, you know, I had a couple that I really liked and I had a handful that I didn't care for, but I got through their class. And, you know, when I was in college, I was able to assert myself in, I guess assert is the right word. Like I, you know, my assignments were done and they were done to the best of my ability. And most of the time I got A's and I never did that when I was in high school or junior high school. My grades, I was lucky to pass and graduate. And I've said that to you guys before that, you know, my mom had mentioned, (coughs) excuse me, one time that she's like, well, I didn't even, we didn't even know if you were going to graduate high school, let alone go to graduate school. That may have been true, (laughs) but for her to say that was a kind of a kick in the face because 
you know, I just wanted her support. And, you know, later, I guess she supported me as much as she knew how. But anyway, so I saw this, this um, path of whatever I wanted. And I didn't have to be trapped down or strapped down or... Um, you, I even actually looked at going to graduate schools in California because I had been there on vacation once and I loved it. And Beth is like, why not? You know, look into grad schools out there, you know, wherever, whatever you want to do. And at that time I owned my house, so I, it wasn't going to be super easy to sell it at that time because I think it was right after um, the 2008 crash or whatever. So I kind of made the choice to just stay local and I, you know, I worked full time and went to school and made it work and I enjoyed it. You know, I had to sacrifice some family time and stuff. But anyway, my point is that I saw this wide open road that I could take. At the time, I wasn't married. I wasn't, mm, I was in a relationship, but it wasn't a real good one. So I wasn't, I could go anywhere I wanted. And you can do that too. I mean, even if you have children, you know, you could do what makes you happy. And if that means continuing education or going somewhere just for a job, heck, go to, I, <laughs> I actually told my husband once, I was like, man, I would consider going to Costa Rica or Honduras just to work with the sloth sanctuaries because I love sloths so much. Like, I have been to Honduras twice just to go see the sloths and like be in their environment. You know, that's something I could do if I want still, but I have a job, which is more like a career now. And I don't really think that I want to do that. <laughs> but my point is think outside the box, think outside of your immediate circumstances and see what you want to do. Do you want to travel? Do you want to um, go to school? Do you want to have children? Are you looking to, you know, find somebody to spend your life with? But, you know, that's all good stuff. But stuff that really gets into who you are is what I'm talking about. So, you know, for me, I chose to go to grad school for... Um, mental health and addictions, which I'm not really good with the addictions part of that. I was all mostly mental health. Um, but I took classes that I could kind of relate to. So, you know, I took like um, child welfare and neglect. I took a whole semester on that. You know, there was stuff in your community and all of these courses because I was so into what I was learning, it was also helping me grow. You know, it was giving me outlooks that um, maybe before I would have kind of put my nose up around or been like, mm, I don't want to do that because of the stigma or whatever. You know, I don't want to do that. I don't want... But it helped me grow. Okay, I promise I'm done talking about myself. Okay, so the 
six and a half, because we just did the six, so I'll read these back to you. We've got eliminate negative self-talk for our better self-esteem. Two, knowing what you're dealing with by looking into your past. Three, accept who you are and how you feel. Actually, I got that backwards. Accept how you feel and who you are. Number four, big one, don't blame yourself. Number five, learn to take care of yourself. Some me time, self-care stuff. Uh, number six, reclaim control of your life. And six and a half, because this one doesn't have a number. Uh, don't forget that you're safe now. It can be hard to feel safe as an adult when the people who were supposed to take care of us and protect us when we were young did the opposite. Whenever you think about what you've been through as a child, remember that you are here now and that you are safe. You are now your own guardian and you are no longer forced to endure all of those negative situations. Healing from childhood trauma is a long and challenging process, but taking some of the steps above might help you help yourself along the way. Well, I kind of expected there to be another page after that, but one thing that I, I remember when I was going through one of my post-traumatic episodes, I had gone into Beth's office, and I think I talked about this before, but I had gone into her office, and we were talking about the time that I was 12 years old, and a friend of Tom's, who was my stepfather at the time, a friend of his came over to visit Tom, but nobody was there but me, and I was vacuuming and doing housework, and he he asked if Tom was there, and he was like, I was like, no, he, he went fishing with my brother. And I shut the door, turn around to get back to the vacuum cleaner, and boom, I hear the ding, ding, ding on my door because my mom always put one of those Christmas bells on the door. And he came running through the door, barging through the door, and I took off running. So it was an, I guess this is a trigger warning, I'm sorry. It was one of those very intense sessions that I had with Beth. And I was thinking, I mean, I was in my 20s at the time that I had this session with her. Well, she could tell that something had triggered inside of me and I was struggling. I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't speak. Um, you know, she was, she, I could hear her, but I, I was in this mental place. I could hear her say, Nikki, you know, where did you go? Come back to me. Where did you go? <laughs> What's going on? How are you feeling? And I'm like, I can't speak. I am stuck. I can't. All I can hear, see, feel, and uh, just all of it was related to that attack. So, you know, you only have 45 minutes in a session. And we were probably at like 35 minutes at that time when this happened. So I was able to kind of come back to it and explain to her that I was terrified, terrified that that was going to happen to me again as an adult. Um, now, I, I don't hang out with questionable people. If I get a bad feeling or a bad vibe from you, I'm done. Like, that's one of the things that I learned in therapy is trust your gut. 
Trust your gut. So when there's people that are questionable or give me a bad vibe, I steer clear of them. So that is one thing that was a positive thing in this not wanting to be attacked again. Um, I left her office in tears and um, I went to work because this was during my lunch hour. Um, I went back to work and I, I worked in an office and I was sitting at my desk and I was crying. It wasn't like the snot bubble crying, you know, like where you're like, and you're like blabbering and stuff. It was just scared. I was terrified and it just triggered that in me. And I was like, I did not feel safe. And so I went to my boss and I was like, hey, you know, I'm really sorry because I was, um, I talked a lot on the phone at that job. And so I was explaining to her that something happened in my session and that, you know, I may need to not be there the rest of the day because this was going to affect my work. So I left there and I headed straight to Beth's office and I sat in the parking lot and I called and I talked to her office manager who is this nice little lady uh, who was with her for a hundred million years. She was always in that office. Um, and I just explained to her that I needed to talk to Beth and I know she's in another session and I just need a minute. So after Beth's session, I was sitting there. So this, I had gone to work and come back within that hour um, after my session. So I'm sitting in the parking lot and I'm just crying. And I'm, I, looking back, I mean, I was terrified. That had just been triggered. And so my phone rings a little while later and it's her and she's like, Nikki, I'm, so sorry we didn't have enough time to, you know, I was worried about you when you left. And I was like, I need, I need help with this because I can't, I can't seem to um, move past it. So one of the things that she said to me was, you know, she just told me to remind myself that it was present. It was present time. It was not then, back then that I was safe and that this bastard would not hurt me again. Um, I was, I was safe. She just kept telling me you're safe. You're safe. No one is going to do this to you again. You're safe. And after about 10 minutes of being on the phone, um, it started to calm down and I ended up going back home. Um, and that was one of a handful of times that I had one of those I don't feel safe moments. And, you know, that was that was a pretty um, uh, isolated time for me. Um, I was watching this, this show on the ID. Nope. It's on the Discovery app, the Discovery Plus app. And there's this show called Evil Lives Here. I don't know why I put myself through this. I watch serial killer stuff all the time. Maybe because I'm like, well, my life didn't suck that much. So, you know, this is <laughs> life only goes up from there, right? I'm kidding. So I watched the show Evil Lives Here and there was um, 
an episode that I heard today while I was working because I always have something in my ear while I'm working. And there was this um, woman and her husband, they had 12 children. And I think it was in California. Um, it, was in, it was in like 19, 2019, 18, 19 time. And the sister of this woman was telling the story and she was talking about how you know, her sister was abusive and, you know, very like not really abusive to the kids to the point of like hitting them and stuff, but keeping food from them and not letting them speak. They were, they were just like malnourished really bad. And, um, after the sister moved out of her sister with the children and her husband's house, it just got worse. Like the kids ended up um, escaping and, um, calling 911 on a, a phone that didn't even have service. And the police came and found the rest of the kids. And some of them were like chained up and, um, it was, it was pretty rough to hear, but I try to put myself in their situation because I did have a lot of stuff happened at home when I was growing up. But if I compare that, I'm not discounting what I went through. But what I'm saying is I didn't, I didn't have that level of feeling unsafe like these poor children did. You know, um, there was another episode where a boy, his stepmother was... Um, very mean to him, excuse me, and trying to get him to basically kill his father so she could have the life insurance money. And he ended up doing it. And, you know, she was just so mean to him. And it reminded me of my stepmother a little bit, you know, like the putting me down and the saying, you know, you're going to be 300 pounds before you get into high school if you keep growing this this way or whatever. And... She was right, but I wonder if she, you know, maybe she, had she not said that to me and maybe helped me a little bit more with my weight struggles instead of making me feel like a piece of garbage, you know, because I didn't know what to do back then. You know, I just ate with the food that I could get, you know, macaroni and cheese, things that I could make on my own, grilled cheese, uh, soups, things like that. Ice cream was a big one because all you had to do was get out of the freezer, um, junk food. They just come out of the little packages. They're already made, you know, things like that. Um, but my point of telling you about those two episodes was I cannot say that I felt unsafe in my environment at home. I was annoyed. I, I felt trapped, but I didn't really feel like I was going to be killed. I didn't feel like I was going to be, um, the hell was the crap was going to be beat out of me if I said the wrong thing. Yes, I might get slapped, I might get spanked um or paddled, but I that was one thing I'm thankful I didn't have to endure was physical beatings. Um so if you are struggling with that kind of safety and if, you know, if you are you you should talk to somebody about that. Because one of the things that we should do is we should feel safe. You know, that is something 
you're, if you don't feel safe around your family, it's, it's hard. And I don't really have a lot to say on it because I have never, like I said, not experienced that, but just talk to somebody about it, you know, reach out to somebody, maybe a teacher or a friend or, you know, anybody that you think will help you. And if you need, if you feel unsafe, message me and I will give you some information. Like I, I hate the thought of somebody not feeling safe in the world and because of people that they live around who are bullies and jerks and bad parents. <laughs> so, um, hopefully I'm going to spin the, I'm going to try to spin this back into a positive, but maybe this week, uh, you could try to eliminate some of the negative self-talk. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try to do something that is me time, whether it be um, next week I have a hair appointment, so that's okay. But, you know, maybe I'll get my a pedicure or something like that. I enjoy those. Um, and then if you have trouble accepting where you are, um, it does take some time. And all of that is a... Long process, but you can get control back in your life. Just remember that you're not that child anymore and that you have control over what happens in your life. And if you feel like you don't, start small. <laughs> you know, find something that you enjoy as far as a job or, you know, do something that you enjoy. And just make time for yourself um, I don't really know where I'm going with all of this. I feel like I'm rambling and I'm sorry. I think honestly, I'm not going to lie, talking about that episode that I had when I was 12 in my therapy office, like in Beth's office, kind of gives me a weird feeling. So I'm probably going to need to be journaling about that tonight so that I can process it and not uh, have nightmares and not have panic attacks. I have, knock on wood, I haven't had a panic attack in a while. And typically I have them when stress, when I'm really stressed out and work has, work is amping up for the next probably 45 days. We're going to be swamped and things are going to be intense and I love it. Um, but that's when my PTSD likes to show up. So I have to, when I'm not working, I have to do things that are more nurturing and less stressful so that I can try to prevent those from happening. Um, so I may watch happier movies, less serial killer documentaries, um, you know, funny sitcoms that are just noise, that are happier um, and not so much these evil lives here and, you know, snapped and things like that where there's so much violence and drama and evil. Um, but anyway, I hope that you have a great week. I'm going to wrap things up and I do encourage you to 
follow or join our Facebook group. It's um, Kept Secrets, a podcast about overcoming childhood trauma. And it's the same picture that's on the thumbnail of the podcast itself. That is a safe place. I think we have maybe 60 people in there now. We don't have a lot, but um, I'm hoping that that can grow a little. Um, I'm also hoping that if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, that maybe you could follow the um, the podcast, um, you know, as like a favorite or whatever. I'm just wondering if that will make a difference in um, my analytics. That's all I'm saying. I, You know, I get nothing out of this other than the satisfaction of knowing that I'm helping other people. I'm just curious <laughs> if more people like click follow or whatever. I don't want to be one of those people that they're like, subscribe, click follow, blah, blah, blah. Um but I'm curious how it will affect the podcast um, in the lists that there are on, I think it's feedback.com or something like that. Um, <clears throat> I just looked yesterday and this podcast is number seven in the 35 top podcasts about childhood abuse nope about childhood sexual abuse so we're number seven on that and then the top 45 podcasts about child abuse I think we're 14 I I was at 12 and then I fell back a, a couple so and a lot of it is because I haven't been putting out material so I will try to do better at that my husband has been pretty encouraging about that so like really funny like something to kind of leave on a funny note. Um, if you've seen Forrest Gump, think about when he's running across the country and he's got all these people following him and he just stops in the middle of the road. Like I think he was in the desert and he's like, well, I think I'm going to go home now. And they're like, what? <laughs> he just leaves all these people hanging. And so my husband being the goofball, he tells me, he's like, don't gump your listeners. And I'm like, what? He's like, you know, don't leave him hanging. So now it's just kind of a funny between us because he's always here and I don't like to do the podcast when he's home. Well, tonight he went to see my stepson who just had his 16th birthday and they were going to go bowling. So that gave me a, a couple hours at home to do this. So I'm not going to gump you guys. I promise. I just, um, I just have to get better material and topics that you guys want to talk about and listen to. So if you have any ideas, feel free to reach out to me on Facebook. Um, you can look me up. I will accept the message and I will talk to you. Um, otherwise, I hope to come back next week. If not, it will be two weeks out, but um, that's all I got this week. So I hope you guys have a great week. I hope you got something out of this lesson and or this um, this lesson, like I'm your teacher. Um this episode and I'm really sorry about the stumbling while I'm reading again it's a big huge fear of mine to be reading out loud in front of people so there's that so you guys have a great week and I will talk to you later bye